This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders. You're accepting of whatever comes your way. You're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. And welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing. This is 3B, the mental wellbeing company, and I'm Claire. And in the studio with me today, as always, is my partner in crime. Hello there, it's Sue. And we also have our guest for today, who is Anna Kember. Welcome to the studio, Anna. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a work. We are happy that you're here. We are grateful that you've come along. And Anna is a financial planner. She's really passionate about financial well-being. We can't wait to talk about this because it's it is it's different for everyone. Like you said, it can be anything from dealing with debt, budgeting, accruing wealth, planning for the future, but also leaving a legacy to protect your family and lots and lots of other things. You're also sustainable. You're also passionate about sustainability, ensuring that we do good with our money. That's that's something that I was like. Oh, I like that sound of that. Yeah, I was sort of like, I really need to listen to this woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, This can have a knock-on effect with our personal well-being because it is financial stuff we know with what's going on lately really does have this impact on our mental well-being. So, Anna, you are wanting us to make positive decisions that help the future of our planet it all sounds amazing i really like this idea how did you get into this um so you might be surprised to hear i did a music degree at university oh um and i went to huddersfield and when i was at university i really enjoyed the course but the lifestyle just wasn't for me and I actually think a lot of people feel that way when they come out of university and realise how far removed university life is from real life and it was a bit of a shock to my system when I left university and was suddenly sat there and people were like you need to get a job you need to find something to do Um, my parents were saying you know if you don't get a job soon you're going to have to start paying board Um, and I was like well I can't pay pay board if I don't have a job. So it was this kind of vicious cycle, a lot of pressure. And I um, I spoke to my dad and my dad does the same job that I do now. And I just said to him, I was like, I just need something to do while I figure out where I want to go because I'd like to use my music degree. And I, you know, I don't know how to do that right now. 
Um, so he said to me, well, you can come, you can do admin for us, you can make the brews, you can file the paper. Um, and when you figure out what you want to do with your life, um, like we'll support you and you can, you know, we'll release you to go and do that. Wow, your dad sounds amazing. Yeah, he's <laughs> a full-time legend. So, okay. I love that. Good job. <laughs> so I was like, um, I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. So I went and if I'm honest, I absolutely hated it. But I realised that it was because I didn't know what I was doing it for. I didn't know... Yeah what they were doing with clients behind the scenes. I didn't know what the meetings looked like. I couldn't see any of the real ways that they were helping real people, real families, real business people. Um, so they, as I started to understand a little bit more about what effect it was having on the people they were working with, I got more and more involved. I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to learn all the te technical stuff behind the scenes. So over the last eight or nine years, that's what I've been doing. And ultimately, you know, this is where you want to end up when you go on this journey you want to be building your own band of clients helping the people that are trusting you really so it's been a bit of a roundabout journey but um i wouldn't see myself doing anything else now oh that's fantastic so actually when you came in the studio you were like this reminds me of uni because you've done your music yeah, degree exactly and music tech was not the thing i was good at if i'm honest <laughs> <laughs> so all of the buttons in front of you are beyond me <laughs> They'll be on me after that as well. <laughs> but I love that because it really sounds like, okay, so you've gone to uni, you've done this music degree, then you've moved into now being this financial planner after like, yeah, this mm -hmm. legend of your, of your dad, you know, sort of going, come and help and see what this is like. But, you know, it doesn't feel like you feel like you've wasted time. It's just you've figured out what it is that actually really makes you passionate 100% and when I came out of uni and then started to get more comfortable doing this job I did feel like there was three years of my life at university that I wasted mm. and so I had to do a lot of processing of that because I didn't want to feel like I'd wasted three years of my life and maybe I don't use my music degree but there are lots of things I learned during that three years about myself about other people about how to work hard about what it means to apply yourself to something that you find really difficult that I use every single day now, despite the fact that I don't use the degree that I got at the end of it. I, you see, I think that's really important because I think uh, some of our listeners out there may actually have done the same thing or maybe going through that now. And I know loads of, of young people who've gone to university and they're not done whatever it was that their degree was in or, or that kind of thing. And a couple of my friends are the same. But it, it has, it, there's been life experience going on and there always is with anything. I mean, yeah. I didn't start out in well-being, you know, but I don't feel that any of my past experience of working life yeah. is a waste. It's all helped me to be where I am now and who I am. Exactly. One thing someone said to me pretty soon after university that has always stuck with me is the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh. And I grew up really close to my brother um, and we're really close now. And when he was at university, he studied physics, which is obviously very academic, whereas music is very much art. He absolutely loved university. He thrived, like he enjoyed the party life. He met his long-term girlfriend who he now lives with and will probably marry someday. Um, and his experience of university was so far removed from mine that it just made me so sad that I hadn't had the same thing. Mm. But now when we look back on our university experiences, we both learned stuff, we're both in much better places than we were in back then. Mm. 
and a lot of what I saw of his experience was actually just the surface of him enjoying the parties and etc and actually what was going on underneath was was probably quite different um, so for me just learning not to compare my experience to anyone else's and just take my learning points and go forward with them where, where is, has been life-changing really. Uh, you are preaching to the converted here <laughs> but I also think our listeners will really it's the thief of joy yeah, I love that yeah. we call it the comparison game and you yeah. never win the comparison game but I think something that you just said there I think is really key that it's a surface thing yeah. so you can see on the surface this is what it's had but you don't know because we're all different so it's like you say you may not have wanted that party life and you know to be perfectly honest neither would I you know for some of it but there's like different ways we deal with things and people are all different so actually what makes them happy if you're trying to fit yourself shoehorn yourself into that kind of person you're not going to be happy you could have all this you know social life going on and absolutely just hate it and i just want to curl up with a good yeah. book or something <laughs> isn't it yeah that sounds like a great <laughs> well it's it was funny because i was at the hairdressers last night my hairdresser's fab and um, one of her friends had come in and she'd just been out with another friend and they'd gone for a dance and stuff around Liverpool. Her other friend doesn't like that. What she likes for her night out is to go to Wendy's and for Wendy to make her a meal and to sit and talk and stuff. And yeah. that's her version of a really great night out. Mm -hmm. And me and Sue were talking because Sue's been away recently with some of her friends from uni. And it's like the difference in you know, what you've done on a night out and it's sort of like, it isn't going raving till like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, um, it's, we are all different and it's what meets our own sort of like values and what experience and things like that. So everybody else, it is surface. And I really like the, the phrase that you use there with that. I think it's really key for people to understand that. Yeah. I really like how you've discovered that so early on in life as well yeah I think that will just you know that I think that's so that's so key because I think the more that we can learn these lessons early on I think the more that they help us sort of build yeah. build the life you know that we want not the life that we think we're supposed to be living yeah. or the life that we look at other people living and think oh why am I not doing that and I think yeah because all those things seek to undermine us and that really does impact on our on our mental well-being yeah. and our confidence in ourselves, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that comment about um, the life you're supposed to be living applies a lot to what I do at work as well because mm. quite a lot of people think, I don't need to speak to a financial advisor, like I don't have any money. And, you know, all of us go on a different journey and all of us need someone to help us with our finances. Um, you know, it's not, I don't just work with people who've got millions of pounds. I help people who have got debt and want to buy a house one day um, I help people who've just bought a house but want to make sure that if something happened to them then you know they're covered they're protected so, and you know their family can carry on to live there after they've gone and there isn't one set path that we take some people will rent for 15 years and buy in their 40s or 50s some people buy in their 20s and have paid their mortgage off by the time they're 40 uh, you know some people get married some people don't some people have children some people don't some people have a career, some people have a series of, you know, three or four year jobs. And each one of those things drastically affects what our finances look like. And so applying that, you know, we each have a different course in life. There's no one set path we're supposed to take. 
I think really applies to my personal life, but to my professional life as well. I think this is this is a, this is the key. This is the real key here for for why you're here. Because on the surface, you might go, "Why is a financial advisor on a well-being, uh, you know, yeah. news um, radio show?" But actually, the th- the things you were saying that really like sort of like made me and Sue go, "She's right here. This is really key." That actually. The stress, me and Sue know the feeling, the stress of like money, paying bills, getting money in, especially running your own business, you know, really does have an impact on your mental well-being. We've seen it in each other, haven't we, as we've been working together. What, what? How can? How did you come to this? Was this something from the legend of your that is your father? <laughs> is it something that like came from him? Is it something you found along the way? What made you put these two things together? I think because well-being is so important to me because of the journey I took after university and not being in a great place for a couple of years and um, needing to really work at get, being okay. Um, I think that makes me just want that for everybody else and so if this is what I'm trained in and this is what I'm good at and finances are the way that I can help people then I can make that into whatever I want it to be and if 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 people are coming to me and saying well I don't want to speak to a financial advisor because I'm embarrassed or there's you know there's a lot of shame attached to my financial situation or I don't want to have to tell anyone what I earn or you know um I'm worried about what the future looks like. I'm stressed about this debt that I've got that I don't know how to pay off right now. If people are coming to me and saying that, then you know it's my job to help them. And if I can make that in a way that is really easy for people to access by making it much more about their well-being and whether they're okay and what they want to achieve in the future on a personal level than it is about the numbers in their bank account, then for me, that's a much more wholesome and fulfilling way for me to do this job and I hope and think that it's better for for the clients as well. Can I just say Anna it strikes me that you are looking at somebody as a whole person so lots of the things that you mentioned there were about context which I think is always so important you know and Claire and I work as coaches and one of the phrases we often use and one of the ways that we do that in our philosophy is we, we talk about meeting people where they are yeah and it sounds like that's what you're doing. You know, you're kind of you're taking into account the full, the full set of circumstances. Yeah. You know where they are at that point, not necessarily where you know society says they should be. Yeah. You know, or, or well, I hope that's what I'm doing. No, it's it's. I, I think it sounds very. I mean, I don't know if this is something that the financial industry has always done. You know, I used to work for a bank a long time ago. Yeah. Where we first met. Um, that was never my impression uh, back in the day when I was working there. I don't know if this is kind of something that you're doing that feels a bit revolutionary. Yeah. It does to me. Does it? Does this feel like a new take? I think a lot of the people who are my peers, my kind of age group of financial advisors across the country, of which I know a handful because I've trained and I've you know built colleagues across the country who are doing the same job as me. They all seem to have a similar view, and I don't know if it's maybe a generational thing because. There are a lot of people you would speak to and you say, when you picture a financial advisor, what do you picture? And they see a 50-year-old white man in a suit banging on their door trying to sell something to them. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. When I turn up, it, it can knock people a little bit anyway because they're not expecting you know, a 28-year-old female who just wants to talk about her dog and like, <laughs> tell them what I've cooked at the weekend and understand what their kids are doing. And you know, it's, 
it's a very different approach and so it just because it knocks people a little bit that I'm not exactly what they expected it just kind of forces them to be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more open and you know the conversations I have with people in those first couple of meetings where generally we're just getting to know each other and understanding what they want to achieve on a personal level then you know those meetings are really really valuable to a long-term relationship because ultimately I'm likely to want them to take action at some point and if they don't trust me if they don't think I understand what they're trying to achieve they're not going to think that what I'm telling them is right anyway mm. um, whether it's revolutionary or not I don't know I think it should always have been this way um, because this job is all about relationships it's about sitting down one-on-one -on -one or you and a family or you and a couple and you know talking about stuff that's really personal you know if you were to ask me what I earn on air I wouldn't want to tell you because this isn't an intimate and trusted setting because you know there are people listening yeah so to ask those questions and get honest answers there has to be a level of trust in the relationship and that's not something I think that you can fake if they don't trust me, I want to go back and have another brew with them before I start asking them questions about what they earn and what's in their bank account and whether they make pension contributions. I want to understand, you know, what it is that makes them tick, where they want to get to, why do you want to talk to me about your pension? Because you don't really care about the actual pension. What you care about is being able to retire. And why do you care about being able to retire? Because you've worked your whole life to get to a place where you are free to do what you want to do, you can go on holiday with the people that you love, you can eat the nice food that you didn't have time to eat when you were working full time, and it's those things that are important to the conversation, not how much you're paying in, who, who your pension is held with, and you know what tax applies to it. It, it. Those things don't matter. What matters is that you want to buy a camper van, that you want to eat out at this specific restaurant once every two weeks, that you want to give your, kid, your grandkids £50 a month because you, their parents can't afford to do it. Those are the things that are the most important for me. I do think it is revolutionary. Just, I think from, like Sue said, us working in the bank, so coming across that kind of thing all the time. And previous to the person who does my pension now, who I really trust, but he's a friend, because uh, he's like the partner of a, of a woman I worked with and who was a friend. I would not have trusted people because I've had pension advisors come in and completely ignoring what I'm saying because they think I don't know what I'm talking about. But things that are very, like within my values, things that are really important to me about why I want something or and then uh, they're just railroading you. And you just think, I had the guy who came and I just was like, well, he's just not listening to me at all. And at that point, I was just like, I just want him to leave now. But... I'm too polite to go, can you just leave my house now? <laughs> so it's sort of like you get on with it. Was actually what you're saying it. I would love you to come round and talk about your dog and what you've made for your tea. I would love that. Because I think what you're saying is really right. It's about building a relationship. I mean, me and Sue have to do that in coaching because people aren't going to, like you say, open up about really what's going in on in deep inside of them if they don't trust you and it sounds like you've got a really good way because it's authentic you come across very authentic it's really something that is important to you to build that relationship and I think that's what would come across yeah. when you're sat with people and it genuinely is you know from from my point of view I'm building a business that I want to last until I retire mm. 
And so the clients that I take on today, I want to be working with for the foreseeable future for my benefit, but for their benefit too. Um, and there is, you know, there is a way to balance. I want to run a successful business that caters for me and my family in the future. And I actually really want to do the right thing and really help people that actually need advice. Um, so, you know, there is a way to do both. And I think some people sometimes compromise on the way that they treat people and the way that they build the trust with their clients to prioritize the building the business side of it. But I genuinely think that if you do it the other way around, the business starts to support itself because your clients are never going to leave. And it's a really good way of thinking about it. I completely agree with you as well. Yeah, it, that's where maybe your focus should be rather than on the business itself. And I think that's, that's something we do as well, isn't it? It's like, forget the money. Let's just deal with somebody. And if we have to do it free, we will do that because it's important for us to support people. It very much sounds like what you're saying there, that that's really important to you. Yeah, and I think it's just a life view, isn't it? You know, one of the biggest things for me in my life is that I'm treated with respect and I treat other people with respect, that you're kind and kind about people and, you know, you find people who are kind to you. And, you know, you can't live by that in life and then not live by that work you've got to do it everywhere you yeah. can't set a moral code that applies to your life and set a different moral code that applies to your work yeah. um so i think if you if you say those things about yourself then and like you say authenticity is a big part of that you can't fake being trustworthy no. you can't fake being kind you can't fake being a nice person um, and i think if you put that at the top of the agenda and in every client meeting that you do then the other stuff just flows from that um, because people will see it if it's not real. She's fab, isn't she? She is fab. She is she's fab. She's speaking our language. <laughs> she is. She's definitely <laughs> speaking our language. You just, I think, I, I just, I'm just loving it because you're actually, yeah, the kind of person that I'd want to know. What you're saying, it, like lots of things that you've just said there about you treat people how you want to be treated, links with our, our emotional wealth kind of presuppositions and... Yeah, behave in a way that you want to see coming back to you, even though you're not always going to get that, and I'm sure you don't. But you still—that's who you are, and that's what you want. And it's—I just love the fact that you're out there in the world doing this, you know, and in our push, push, corner of the world as well, which is even better. It's fantastic, isn't it? It certainly is. I think it's interesting because you talk about building relationships and how that's really key. And I think. You know, like years ago, Claire and I worked in sort of training and development in mm -hmm. various sort of backgrounds and, and settings. And those sorts of skills were always referred to as soft skills. Yeah. You know, like a separate entity from the technical things yeah. that you had to learn about a job. And now I think what we're beginning to realise is that these aren't soft skills. These are fundamental skills. Yeah, they're the core. They <laughs> are. They're life skills, aren't they? Yeah. And not only do they kind of support others, but they support ourselves. They create, um, you know, a better way of working, a better way of communicating. Um, and, and I think, actually, when we practice those skills, we get something back from it. And I believe that that actually boosts our well-being because mm -hmm. we're being more attuned with who we really are, as opposed to having to kind of play a part or yeah. play a role. Yeah. What, what do you think, Anna? Yeah, 100%. I think that they are the core, aren't they? Like, you know, understanding how you best communicate with people, practicing reading how other people want to communicate with you, so that you can have really meaningful discussions, well-rounded discussions, where they hear what you're saying and you hear what they're saying. Um, 
you know, living by you've got two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak, and genuinely getting to understand people. Clearly, in my industry, technical knowledge is very important, mm-hmm. and it's and it is essential that you stay up to date and you you know you do all of your continuing professional development and all that kind of stuff, your ongoing exams, and but you get your chance to say that stuff, you get your chance to tell people what you know, you get your chance to do the financial planning, but you only get your chance to do that if they trust you and they understand what you're trying to do for them. If you don't do that beginning bit, you're never gonna get down the line anyway. Um, so for me, it's just, it's such a core part of the process of onboarding clients and helping them and being in a position where they're willing to see you every year so that you can update them on, on what things look like and. You know, there is really no point in, in getting down the line for them to then turn around and be like, well, we don't want to see you every year because we actually don't like you very much. You know, that's ultimately where you're going to get to if you don't do that beginning bit, that core bit of relationship building. You're listening to Let's Talk Wellbeing with Claire and Sue. In the studio with us here today, we have Anna Kember, who is, well, I'm going to say she's a financial planner, but you know what? That really just doesn't say what she is <laughs> because she is so much more than that. Passionate she is, authentic she is. Got a good head on your shoulders, I have to say. I'm just, I'm really gelling with this. I love where you're coming from. I love the ha- how you're thinking about things, but also just your personality as well within this. And I want to know more about, because when we get into financial difficulty, it can really impact on our mental well-being. So and you've clearly said, you know, you deal with people from all ends of the spectrum. So people who will have lots of money. And actually that can, I suppose, really impact on your mental well-being as well. But to people who maybe think, well, do we need a financial advisor? Because... I don't have any money and I don't, you know, I don't, I'm looking at how I can pay my bills, you know, with the cost of living rise and everything like that. So can you talk to me more about that? How can you, obviously I know you can't do the ins and outs because it's very generic, but how do you think our money impacts on our well-being in that way? I think, I do think that it's a spectrum. I think you can be at one end or the other or anywhere in between, you know, at one end you've got people with crippling debt that can't afford to pay their bills and you know they are potentially really struggling with that setup and then at the other end you've got people with millions of pounds who you know have potentially got big tax liabilities that are running multiple businesses that are you know speaking to a financial advisor because they want to invest a load of money for example and but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy Um, and then you've got everything in between um which you know in most cases most of us sit somewhere in between one of those two things um and actually they're not directly linked things you know you can be extremely happy and have very little money and you can be extremely unhappy and have all of the money in the world um 
But at the same time, you know, when things get difficult, when we get into positions that we're not comfortable with, that we're not used to, that, you know, we're facing something new, you know, perhaps you've set up a business for the first time and you've got new things that you have to, you know, find your way around in terms of your business finances and your personal finances. Um, you know, perhaps you have had one big expense and actually you've got less money than you normally have. Maybe you've got a new job and you've got a pay rise and you don't know um, what to do with the difference. All of those things create stress because they're new and because they're unfamiliar and because we don't know how to deal with them. And those kind of crux points of, you know, something's changed and I don't know what to do now. Um, you know, they might be good things, they might be bad things, but just because they're good things doesn't mean they don't make us feel stressed because that idea of having to learn something that we actually know nothing about, um, you know, it is, is really challenging. And, and those are the points generally where people come and speak to me and say, you know, this is what's changed. What do I do? Like, how can you help me? Um, what pointers can you give me? What can I listen to? What can I read to help me navigate this situation? Um, so it's those kind of um, decision moments of, you know, something's changing or something's just changed and I don't know what to do now. They, they, like you say it's funny isn't it that i think people who don't have money will think oh well if i've got money it gives me happiness but actually you're right it doesn't you can be happy with hardly anything but it's anything that just like you say could be new what am i going to do with this change very often has an impact of stress on people yeah. um because it's different from the norm and like you say if they don't know what they're doing so it's really good that they would have someone to come to, like yourself, who looks at this in a very holistic way and wants to support them. And it's not just about, right, well, you know, what can we do to get you the most money? It is more about what is it you really want and you're finding out about people. I think it's a really good way of doing it, isn't mm, it, So Absolutely. I think, you know, the links between our finances and our well-being, they're really there, aren't they? Because there's a lot of shame in our culture. Yeah. around, you know, kind of lack of money or lack of ability in being able to manage money. And it's not necessarily something that we're taught yeah. about, you know, from an early age. You know, we're kind of, it's a bit of a look of the draw, isn't it, about yeah. sometimes whether we happen to be good with money or not or whether we're shown by, you know, a parent or a guardian. Um, you know, and, and as a parent myself, I know with my, my young person, you know, they're very kind of, they don't want to know. They don't want me to talk to them, yeah. you know, kind <laughs> of about. And I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, I'll hold my hands up. There's lots of things that I've not done great with money in my life. Um, and I think what you do as well as a parent is you want to kind of impose your perceptions and your mm -hmm. experiences, yeah. you know, onto, onto kind of younger people. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of going off talking about younger people now, but it's... I suppose what I'm getting at is that we don't necessarily learn the skills from an early point to be able to do this. So we sometimes, things might be poodling along, you know, just nicely for us. But then, like you say, when a change comes along, we don't know how to deal with it. And maybe we feel some shame in the not knowing because we feel like we're supposed to know. Yeah, I think there is an element of, you know, well, I've got a pay increase. That should be a good thing. Mm. And why do, I, why do I feel stressed about it? Why do I not know what to do? This seems like a fairly common thing that everyone goes through at some point. You know, very few people start a job and end up on the same level of pay for the rest of their life. That's quite uncommon. Mm. So, 
you know, wh why can I not navigate this? Everyone else must be going through it. Why is it just me that can't? But actually that's not true. You know, so many people come to us with that kind of question. Um, you know, my pay has jumped up a little bit or I've got a new job and the pay is different or the pay structure is different and I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me, please? And, you know, that's when we can step in and say to them, well, actually, you know, everyone goes through this. Um, and, you know, being able to just give people that peace of mind that they're not the only one, that there isn't actually any shame here. And one thing I try really hard to do in my community with my friends, my family, is have open conversations about money. So on our family group chat, um, you know, if one of us gets a pay increase or a bonus or, you know, one of us, you know, our gas bill goes up or whatever, we'll tell everyone in the group chat. And fair enough, there's only five of us in there. But having that open conversation means then that if things don't look quite so good in a year's time, you can have that conversation too because you've been having the positive ones. Um, one of, two of my best friends actually that I see all the time, we quite often talk about, you know, what, what have you been paid, how's work going, what have you earned this month, um, you know, what have you got lined up for the next six months. We have those conversations because then when the bad times come, which they inevitably do, you know, no one is 100%, you know, rolling in it for their entire life. <laughs> um, you know, there are ups and downs along the way. And so when the downs come, it means we can have those conversations as well. Um, and I do, I do think it's really important in your close circle, I'm not suggesting you broadcast it to the world and put it on your, like, you know, don't tweet it or something, but like with the people that you trust, the people that you can be vulnerable with, the people that you have those real conversations with, start having more open conversations about money, talk to them about what you earn, try not to compare yourself to other people, um, you know, talk about if there's debt that you're struggling with, talk about whether you're making pension contributions and let people help. I, I'm just going to say, Claire, I think that would help to reduce what we were talking about earlier and this idea of comparison, mm -hmm. because then you're kind of you're sharing, aren't yeah. you, from kind of a common, you make all your circumstances will be different, but you've got this kind of common ethos yeah. about sort of an understanding about why you're sharing rather than looking at somebody not really knowing what's going on behind the scenes, making assumptions and getting into that comparison trap. I think it's also it's good to talk about it because you're bringing it into the open i i grew up with it you don't talk about it you don't tell people you don't talk about it it's like this dirty secret yeah. isn't it and it's just like why do we think that and i remember it's probably a few years back now there being adverts on the tv around mm. talk about money talk about what's going on because what you're saying there so about this comparison you know what we've been talking about it's like okay so somebody within your close circle like you said might be earning a lot more but they might also might spend more or for whatever we you know do something different with that but it's also about well what could you manage and uh, are you managing with what you've got mm -hmm. and you know being happy with where you are or do you need some like hints and tips on how to grow it or you know what to do with it that kind of thing i think it just enables you to be more comfortable with it because it's it's no longer this like you know little secret that you've got to hold mm -hmm. and it's no longer sort of like hush hush when you're talking about it mm -hmm. it's re it really is out there you, you're speaking about it and you're going oh you know i'm struggling this month or actually i i got a bit more this month so it's great so i've been able to buy this that i needed you know or, mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be 
it just it's it breaks down those barriers and i think that's a really good way of doing it it forces you to assess how you feel about other people as well because you know if someone turns around to me and they're earning twice as much as i am then and the first thing i feel is envy well why why do i feel so much envy why does the money they're earning have so much power over me and my life it doesn't it has no effect whatsoever and actually if that person is generous and kind with their money then it's actually a really great thing that they earn twice as much as i do because you know someone somewhere is benefiting from the fact that they're so generous with their what they're earning so it's you know if they're people that you love and people that you trust that those feelings of envy are you know then they might be there on day one but then you know a year down the line when they tell you they've had a pay increase and they're actually now earning three times as much as you what work have you done in that interim to make envy not be the first thing that you feel um and going back to what you were just saying about having that open conversation have you seen that episode of friends where they want to go on like a celebratory meal yes and so i think ross maybe wants to go to this really fancy restaurant and then someone else is like oh can we just order pizza and because they haven't had those open conversations with money they end up with this divided group and some of them stay in and actually don't eat anything and some of them end up going to this really nice restaurant and actually had they had those open conversations they could have found a middle ground where everyone would have been happy but because they didn't they ended up with this massive division they lost all of their like you know respect for each other in that moment and they couldn't they couldn't reach a, a middle ground and and i think you know having those conversations with my friends means that sometimes we stay in and eat ready meals from aldi and sometimes we go out and spend 40 50 pound a head on a nice meal but because we have those conversations that there's a balance um whereas if we didn't and if, and someone always wanted to go for the expensive meal out there would end up being people left behind that that can't do that and um so being able to find that middle ground and compromise everyone makes some compromises um is really positive for, for us and our relationships it's brilliant that i do as soon as you said that i do remember that and actually the ones who went for the expensive meal weren't happy because the rest of the group were exactly. missing and it's funny actually because when i'm just thinking about it so i've got two friends who i've known like all my life and we do do that we talk about that so sometimes it'll be like oh i've not really got much money right okay well we'll have a meal in and somebody will cook or we'll go to somewhere cheaper and then other times yeah we'll be like it's a celebration and we've got the money yeah let's go to somewhere a bit nicer Mm -hmm. and me and sue are really clear on money as well aren't we we're very um open about it but yeah there are groups of friends i have that i don't talk about uh about it with and uh, I think maybe the difference is they're newer friends or yeah it doesn't feel like that that's taking place right now yeah and I'm not you know I'm not suggesting that you tell everybody yeah you have those conversations with everyone but those people that you see regularly you, you know your close family close friends the people that you have the deep conversations with make money one of your deep conversations you know allow yourself to share stuff that you wouldn't necessarily always share mm. with other people um you know, there have been times in my life where I've not been proud of what my bank accounts look like, where I've been in overdrafts, you know, where it's not looked as good as it might do today. And, you know, being able to talk to people about that and tell them what I felt when it was like that um, has been actually really freeing because it, you know, it makes you, and also you learn from it, you know, you learn mm. stuff about yourself and about how to manage your money and about how to budget and about what things are important to spend money on and which things actually didn't make any difference to your life that you accidentally spent loads of money on. Um, 
you know, what things trigger you to spend lots of money, what things um, force you into spending money that you don't actually want to spend. Um, and you know, identifying all of those things, putting them into categories. There are loads of exercises online that you can do for budgeting. There are loads of free resources provided by both the government and individuals that can help you to get to grips with, with how to budget. And um, it's really valuable to sit down and do a few of them rather than just picking the first one you see because mm. different things work for different people. I really like that. It's mm. great that there's some resources out there. We'll we'll try and find some and share those yeah. as well on our social media. I think what you're saying, it's sort of like, <laughs> it seems really simple in now. I think originally I'd have been like, oh, I don't know, what's money got to do with our mental well-being? But the more, the more and more we're talking about it, the more I can see links with my life. And I'm sure, yeah, Susan audience, she can as well. And the more things I'm thinking, this really does have an impact. I mean, even what you were saying before about if you're envious, and I just, I love your way of thinking, I really do, Anna. The, the, the you know, don't be envious because, you know, it's not a healthy place to be anyway. But I had a friend who I didn't realise, but she was very cutting and she never praised or she'd never liked anything. And I'd moved house and I was working and she was always down on me because she didn't earn as much as me at that time. Because I earned quite a bit at that time. But the difference being is, you know, if she'd have been open and honest with me, I didn't go home and have time with family and do that. I went to night school. I worked for like seven years on my education outside of my work mm -hmm. to the point where I was then able to get a job that, you know, was higher, got, got more pay, all of that kind of thing. Because I'd really put so much time and, and money into my education because yeah. that's what I decided. But because that actually fit for me at that time. And I wanted to do it. So, and it's sort of like, maybe I could have talked to her about that. So, but I didn't realise this. And actually this then got in the way of our friendship because she never liked anything I was doing yeah. and was a bit, em and was envious. And I didn't realise this. Other people told me this. And I was always like, why? I'm the one who's envious of her. She's had a baby. That's what I wanted. And it's like... When you think of it in those terms, if you're not really open and honest, especially with those people who mean things to you, mean something to you, things like money can get in the way because suddenly you are putting these expectations or these thoughts on to something that actually may act, mean nothing whatsoever. Yeah. It's this, like you were saying before, it's this surface thing. Yeah. This is what you see, but you don't see what's underneath it all. Yeah, you're so right. And, you know, just because someone earns a lot of money doesn't mean they're happy exactly. and you don't know what compromises they're having to make to earn that um you know you very there is no one get rich quick scheme if there was everyone would be doing it yeah. so if someone is earning significantly more than you are chances are they do longer hours they need to be more qualified they you know they have to work for someone they don't particularly like they're doing it because they have to because they've got a bigger family or they've got a bigger house that they can't afford to run if they don't um you know you might be you know working five hours a day yes for less money but you're doing much less hours and you're running a smaller house and you know net per month you've actually got more than they have so just because you're having that like looking at the surface and thinking well they drive a nice car they must earn an absolute fortune that's not always the first conclusion that you should jump to. Yeah. You know, the first conclusion might be actually, 
oh, that, that might be a company car. Um, you know, they might be, given that they might not be able to waive their company car in exchange for salary, so they actually might not be earning that much. Maybe that's the nicest thing that they have. Maybe they inherited it. You know, there are, there are lots of other options other than they're doing better than me. Um, and I think if you can start to not not go to they're doing better than me as the first response, um, that kind of bypasses the envy and forces you to listen and forces you to understand and forces you to ask questions. Brilliant. Um, She's got emotional wealth, she hasn't she? She has got emotional she, wealth. Yeah, definitely she really has. has. Yeah, she really Because everything you're highlighting sort of shows how instinctively as humans we look outside of ourselves mm. for reasoning we look to blame we look to you know and it's kind of actually what you're doing is you're encouraging us to to be with ourselves you know thinking about our three b's yeah w- would you agree that that sort of our three b philosophy kind of like fits yeah, with what 100%, you're 100 percent. and you know and if you want to go through them ultimately you know you could get there too if you wanted to do new qualifications if you were willing to do longer hours if you um you know wanted to change career if you were happy to leave where you were at right now you could do all of those things if you wanted to like it's not that someone else isn't, isn't capable it's that we've all made decisions that mm. that lead us to where we are and i think you know you have to take some responsibility for those you know stuff doesn't or in some cases this is a generalization but stuff doesn't just happen to you um you know we do make choices that ultimately lead us to where we end up mm. so um, you know, you have to accept that you've been a part of the situation that you were in. Taking personal responsibility, which is another part of our emotional wealth. Very yeah. much so. It's, like, <laughs> it's just, it's really weird because actually, yeah, you, you're talking there about, well, so if you want more, you can do this. And then I'm just thinking, and I chose the opposite way. I didn't mm-hmm. want to work for somebody I didn't like and didn't respect anymore. You know, I didn't want to have that stress in my life. So, yeah, I went, I chose a different stress, but it's sort of like <laughs> I'm my own boss. And it's like, you know, I don't even answer to Sue. She doesn't answer to me, even though we're a partnership. It's sort of like we, we just accept whatever's going on. And I prefer that, even though mm. it's less than what I was earning. And, yeah, it's it has its own difficulties. And I think that's what you're saying, this surface thing. You know, it's, well, what means something for you? And actually my time, my stress levels, all of that kind of thing, that means more to me than what, you know, the money did at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was in a different place as well. We are, so things will change, like you said, that over the years, things are gonna change. Your financial status is gonna change so much. I think it's getting over this, being ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. So even if you have, got a lot of debt or you've even been bankrupt or you know whatever the the case happens to be you're really struggling I think it's it's getting over that um feeling that people are going to judge you on that because let's face it if you're going to have if you're going to get judged you're going to get judged anyway so it doesn't really matter there are people out there that will judge us it's what goes on inside us that matters isn't it and I think that surface thing is part of why those initial conversations with new clients that I talked about are so important because it's about getting on like you know scratching off that top layer and getting to the stuff that's just a little bit deeper you know I'm not asking someone to share their entire heart and soul with me but I just want to you know it's not about I want to buy a nice car why do you want the nice car what about the nice car is attractive to you is it the comfort is it the status you know which one of those things is it because there is something that's driving that and if you can tap into that, it just really helps you to understand people. Um, you know, the, the stuff that we buy and the stuff that we wear and the stuff that we drive and, 
you know that those things are on the surface the reason why we wear those things or why we do those things or why we drive that car are the stuff that matters and um, so it's just about getting just under the surface and starting to understand that a little bit you sound like a completely different financial advisor than <laughs> I've ever come across yeah, me too. I'm the best financial <laughs> advisor I've ever come across <laughs> I just I love your way of thinking I really do I love I love your ethos I love the values that are definitely coming over and I just think you have got a really good head on your shoulders. There's clearly stuff that you've already got in place, like I said. You're already showing emotional wealth with all of this. I, I love this. This is really good. And I could talk more about this. And, you know, it's. Yeah. I think it's beneficial for our listeners to hear this. Definitely. And... Yeah, I, I do want to talk more about this, but unfortunately, our time is coming dead short. We always ask our interviewees to come with a song that means something for them. So um, can we have a listen to your song at this point? Can you explain what you've chosen and why you've chosen it? So I've chosen Smile by Nat King Cole. Um, this is something my granddad used to whistle around his house all the time. Um, and then as I got older, someone else used to sing it quite a lot. And then as I got older, I heard it on a TV show I really loved. And it's just been one of those recurring things linked to memories that are really valuable to me. Um, and it says, smile though your heart is aching, smile even though it's breaking. And I, you know, I accept and appreciate and fully 100% know from experience that when your heart is aching and your heart is breaking, smiling doesn't just fix everything. But it's just about having that positive attitude and you know trying to do something to turn things upside down. Oh, isn't that a lovely song? It's so beautiful. It is, really is. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's quite chilling. We were having a gab with Anna while that was on as well. Because we just, we love you. We just, I really like, I really like your ethos, your values and everything else. You're just um, a beautiful person. I think you definitely have a passion and I love the way you think. Oh, thanks so much. It's been so nice to be here and have, you know, public conversations about this stuff. Um, I have these conversations all the time, but not that many people get to hear. Um, so it is really nice to, um, to be here to share this stuff. Yeah, yeah I think and the fact that, you know, our listeners can hear this, hopefully it starts to mean something for them. It, it starts to maybe make them move and, and do something you know, a, a, to talk, like you said, maybe with their family, close friends, whoever they feel comfortable discussing this with, but maybe starting that conversation. I think that's a really good way to start this um, and and that will hopefully help their mental well-being with that. Anna, if they want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? So I think the details will be shared on social media anyway, um, but you can just drop me a text or give me a call. Um, my number is 077 um, and you can give me a call anytime if I'm not available because I do have some boundaries in place but if I'm not available then I will give you a call back as soon as I can good to hear you've got healthy boundaries in place yet so don't be calling her at like midnight or <laughs> you know try and <laughs> well, keep to a sense of allowance <laughs> can you just give us that number again for yeah, our list 077 Thank you, Anna. We will share that. It'll be on our social media um, page as well, which is at 3B Wellbeing. 
we will share that and it'll be coming out in our podcast at some point probably september into october and that's our well-being mojo podcast so you can listen to anna all over again if you want to or maybe you want to share what she's talked about so you might want to share the podcast with people you know so that they get a gist of it maybe before you start these conversations so that you're all coming from the same place maybe that's how you can even start your conversation i'd really like us to start talking money i've got a really good person for you to listen to so have a listen to anna Anna, thank you once again for giving us your time coming in the studio and I've really, really enjoyed it. Sue, what about yourself? Oh, I've, I've got so much from it, Anna. You've really got me thinking. And I think, you know, what we were saying before about so much about your philosophy and your approach and the learning. I love the learning journey that you've gone on, mm. you know, and how you've, you're living and breathing it. You know, I think it's, this isn't just like a, an academic exercise or a, you know, because we can, we can, you know, learn how to do things out of books or, yeah. but it, it seems to me that you've, you know, you've taken on board experiences and you're actually applying it, not just only in your own life, which we haven't talked as much about in terms of what you do to look <laughs> after your own mental well-being. but it seems to me that one of the things you've done is you've, you've taken on board, you're learning from your experiences and then you've kind of, you've really ploughed that into your personal life and into your career. Yeah, so, exactly. and you're enabling other people to kind of, uh, uh, realize this stuff as well which uh, yeah i just i think is amazing do you have maybe top three tips that you would say to people to help them with this i think the open conversations is a big one um you know find your small circle of people you trust and have have those chats um force yourself to be honest and vulnerable with yourself and with other people um there, you know, there was a time in my uni days where I wouldn't even look at what was in my bank account because I just didn't want to know. So if you can't do that, ask yourself why, um, and you know, work towards being able to check that, you know, every day or every other day, um, and ask for help if you need it. You know, there are people out there. There are resources online, um, free resources, paid resources, free services and paid services, all of which are um, available to to help you and. So if you feel like you know there's a change coming or a change has just happened or you're at one of the ends of that spectrum that I talked about and you don't actually sit somewhere in the middle, you're at the bad end or the, you know, the other bad end, um, then um, you know, ask someone to help you. Thank you, Anna. I think that's a great way to finish. If you do want to get in touch, if anything's you know triggered you within that, please do get in touch with Anna or get in touch with us here at 3B. That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.